It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. A few weeks ago, Torn and I had the chance to catch up with EV God James Ellis. Here's our conversation. Hope you enjoy. We're going to rock Crazy and the King in person, live. For the first time. So Where are is, we? Um, I think we're in Boston. Beautiful place. At the really fucking cool Smashfly Transform. Revere which, Hotel. If y'all didn't come and you're hearing this, you need to come next year because it was kick-ass. Set up on the cabana uh, all oh, on the rooftop yeah. bar last night. Yep, yep. Got prepared for Ooh, today. Had some gin. Took some That pictures. was lovely. Yes, yes. We're just telling you all all of the things that we have done because literally since Julie and I started in July, we have not been in the same location. So I am pleased yes. to have my pod partner Yay. in growth <laughs> sitting to my left. And I can't wait to talk about the cat that we have sitting to my right. But anything new before we get into this conversation? Oh, there's a whole bunch is new. But but let's focus on James okay, for well, this cool. time because we're about to give him our time. So why <laughs> do we have James in front of us? And, and by the way, James who? Because he was here? <laughs> this is true. I am, in fact, here. So, Torrance, brother from the another mother, right. right? Is that how we say it? Yep. Uh, Mr. James Ellis, who yep. just came off stage at Smashfly and was freaking awesome. Yes, it was. That was the Thank first you. time I've ever seen you um, live. Okay. And that was super fun. Like, I learned, I laughed, I didn't cry. Okay, so got it. Let me, <laughs> let me say this to you. So, here's what's really interesting. I met James Ellis at an SRSC event in February of 2018, and we were both in the back of the room, standing next to to one another, had never met him before, and so all he does is, like, out of the left corner under the third octave, he whispers, that is such bullshit. Love it. He was talking about somebody that was on stage. So I look over. I remember who it is, and I remember why I said that. They were yeah. presenting data, but he didn't understand where the data came from. And exactly. I, let, I literally Googled it. goes, no, the data doesn't say that. But whatever. Oh. Whatever. You're on, you got the stage, man. You got the stage. So I'm standing next to this cat. I'm like, I got to know who he is. And so here we are. And, and the reason we have him on, you all, is because he is an employer branding aficionado and more. And I mean that sincerely. Um, Julie was absolutely right. Great presentation here at Transform. Thank you. Hashtag Transform RM if you want to go back and capture some of the great thoughts. But you did the, an awesome job. Or the job. jacket. There are or pictures the that you need to see of the jacket. Yes. I will make I sure. I will not describe it. No, you can't. You must can't see it in done. person. I will make sure when we drop this pod that I put up a picture of you and I and your jacket. jacket. Uh, so what are we going to talk wait, about, Julie? Hold on. Hold on. That's bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to be in the picture, too. You, well, that means we got to take another one. So we will. Oh, We're okay. here. That's we'll fine. Just say, I'm, take I'm one. Uh, so we'll take another More press? Oh, you know how much I hate that. <laughs> you see this guy? I'm so shy and retiring. Uh, Can you see okay. this guy? Okay, cool. Okay. So, so what are we really going to do today? What are we going right. to do? So we're going to talk to James. And I think the first thing that we want to hear about is, one, you have a podcast um, that we all need to be checking out. And you're starting a new gig 
that uh, is sounds like it's going to be pretty awesome. Yep. So give us a little James background. Sure. So uh, the joke I always make is I'm an a-, a marketing agnostic. I've done every kind of marketing there ever has been done. Event marketing, pharmaceutical marketing, B2B marketing, software marketing, nonprofit marketing, state government marketing. And yes, there is such a thing as state government marketing, and I've done it, and never again. And I fell into recruitment marketing, much like everybody in the industry. We just kind of go, I see a problem, I can help solve a problem, I solve the problem. And then it kind of got interesting. And I evolved from recruitment marketing at an agency level into employer brand. And that's where all my passion is. That's really what I do. Uh, I blog about it, I write about it, I speak about it, I podcast about it, I consult about it, I talk about it. It's literally all I do. It's that and my four-year-old. That's all I do. And there's someone's taking a picture, and I have to. It's an action shot. Um, I have to look like we're doing. Yeah, stuff so the, the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is very meta. Uh, so the podcast <laughs> is called the Talent Cast because it's not cleverly titled. Um, but it, every week, it's just me. I joke that it's the only half hour I get where I don't get to be interrupted. I get to have a thought, and then I just explore <laughs> the thought. And I sometimes I'm like, yeah, that made no sense. And sometimes I'm like, oh, is that what I meant? Oh, is that what it, that it's means? Like Got it. Self evolution. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only time I really get to do that. I think everybody's so busy and everybody's trying to sell and pitch and explain and define and capture and all that stuff. But just that deep work of what does it mean to be a challenger brand or what would a perfect career site be? I mean, right, I mean, who asked those questions? And so if I have the chance to think them through, I'm just going to say, here's my opinion. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. <laughs> I'm not drunk, but it's definitely a lot of coffee. Not drunk. Um, <laughs> hashtag not drunk should be the sponsor of my podcast. I like it. Um, but that's really what it is. It's just how do we get deeper? I think what's interesting, I'm just going to take over the mic now. Yes, please. The thing about employer brand that to me that is so special is that we're inventing it as we go along. There is no handbook that says do this. Oh, you're a new employer brander? Read that. Do that. Every content, every context, every situation, every experience, every need is different. And so the job of an employer brander is to kind of walk into a situation and go, okay, this place is a mess or this place is fantastic. How do I tell that story? To whom is that story necessary? What resources do I have at my disposal? It's not about, here's the laundry list. It's not plug and play. It is about being a true consultant in your own company to look at the problems and look at the issues or look at the success stories and say, how do I get that out to more of the right people? Yeah, but you said something um, that there's no book. I'm going to come back to that. I want to ask you to address those naysayers out there because there are people that are in our space that say that employer brand is not really a thing. Yeah, and they're, they're wrong. And I think what happens is employer brand, because it is relatively new, especially in the States, it's a fad. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to slap some. I'm going to sprinkle. It's fairy dust. I'm going to sprinkle some employer brand on it, make it all better. And they said the same thing about social media. And they said the same thing about webs. And they said the same thing about whatever the hell happened before the web. That's just how they do it. But what happens is, is what, what's the line? First they laugh at you, then they argue with you, and then they assume it was the right answer all along. That's employer brand, man. We're in that phase where it's starting to get to the point where people are arguing it a little bit because it's about to crack. So people talk about, yeah, but... Employer brand is just glass door. It's just rating sites. It's just this. It's just that. And anytime you, anybody says employer brand is just, they do not know what they're talking about. Because as an employer brander, you need to use Glassdoor and rating sites and LinkedIn and ads and writing and content and video and, 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 and to tell that story, to get into that, to parachute into a company, say, what's the problem? What are the opportunities? What are the solutions? Let me craft a solution custom to you because that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that's going to work. So I want to go back to something that you said just a minute ago. When you go into a company and it's a mess, right? Like 
I think there is some expectation too that employer brand brand is going to be the the magic fairy dust that fixes our mess. Like our culture is shit, our jobs are terrible, we have a terrible quality of life, whatever. What is your role, I guess, in that situation to say, y'all? This is not going to work. Yeah. You got to fix these things. And, you know, do is it a chicken and egg thing? Yes and no. It's complicated. So I would say it a couple different ways. The first I would say is if you say the, the culture shit, what's shit to you is glory to me and vice versa. I mean, we all, can, we all know what Uber was like a year and a half ago. And we all look at that as a failed, broken culture, except every dude bro coder went, this is the best thing in the world. This is exactly what I want. The trick about employer branding is, and how do I fix that? How do I transform it? It's how do I communicate what's real and true so that the person who goes, absolutely, I want to be a part of that, can see it. And the person who goes, oh, hell no, I don't want to be a part of that, can see it and avoid it altogether. So to some extent, employer brand is like business therapy. It's about understanding why do people work here, what motivates them, what pushes them to do great work, what pushes them to give 110%, insert your catchphrase here. Once you understand that, now tell similar people why, and they make their own decisions. Employer branding doesn't create uh, applicants. It doesn't encourage more applicants. It simply says this is what's true, gets it in front of people to make their own decisions. So why do you feel like we are approaching like a fault line? Why, why this is going to become even more important, let's say over the next 12 to 18 months? Why yeah. do you feel that way? So for a lot of different reasons we w I wouldn't want to get into, Recruiting has become stagnant in its transactional nature. Every recruiter complains about my job is to put a butt in a seat and then rinse and repeat, right? You just put a butt in a seat, put a butt in a seat. How many recruiters see metrics to see quality of hire metrics? How many recruiters get a report every month that says, look, you hired 12 people, but three of them quit immediately? How many recruiters see the longitude and the longevity of the people they hire? There are some recruiters who put the butt in the seats and they go on the next one, they fast and they grind that stuff out, right? And there's some people who take a little more time, but the people they hire live there forever. What are they doing differently? Because obviously, let's just assume, I think everyone gets, longer is better. It's much cheaper down the road. Higher, they stick around, they get promoted, they're better hires altogether. Even if you hire slightly fewer of them, it's better to go in that route. So you ask, what are you doing differently? And the answer is almost always, I built a relationship with them. My candidates understand me, I understand my candidates, I wave the ones away who go, you won't be happy, let me see if I can find somebody, and sometimes I find somebody in another company. Somebody I say, look, you would not be happy here, but I have a friend over at blah, 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 you should talk to them. That is an, a magical, magical recruiter. Do they get promoted? Heck no, that never happens. So to me, employer branding is the lever that breaks the system, that says you have to evolve, and as we spend lots of money on systems and ATSs and CRMs and websites and, 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 what you're doing is you're calcifying a system. You're saying transactional is the way to go. The greatest software is not designed to create relationships. The greatest software is designed to transact faster, more optimized, quicker, faster now. So if building a relationship is the value, is the power, is the magic, where's the software that helps that? And it's hard to make that magic, hard to make that software. So employer brand comes in and says, okay, hold on, everybody. I love Let's that take truth. a pill. Yeah. Let's relax. What are we really trying to do out here? I love that truth. And the business goes more and more and more. And the answer is not really, not really. I agree. But how does employer brand or you as a consultant on employer brand start to bring back kind of those reins? Because what you're talking about is a is this fantastic brand and it makes me feel good about being a part of an organization based on whatever my values are and our shared mission yep. like that. Start with yep. why that you mentioned. Right. But then I apply for a job 
you know, and you know exactly what I'm going to say. It's complete shit. Yep. It's terrible. I go into a black hole. If I have a disability, I can't use the systems. You scream at me as a customer and as an employee or a potential employee that you don't belong here. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of that work that you do that's critical that like makes me want to buy and be even be a part of an organization is gone with that experience. Like how much you say, guys, this is just bad. Yeah. There's a saying in marketing that says nobody hates marketing, but everybody hates bad marketing. When people point to marketing doesn't work, they're pointing to bad marketing. And that sounds like bad branding. I'm selling you an idea that isn't true. I'm selling you a magical, wonderful place that's going to be amazing. And day one, you're like, what the hell am I? What? What? No, this isn't what I was promised. If you tell people the truth... They get to make up their own mind, right? You know, they, they understand what they're in for. They understand the value. You know, things like candidate experience, things like recruiter optimization, things like process optimization closes off some of the holes in the funnel. But in the end, it's not the funnel. Think about the Army. Think about people who apply for the Rangers. You might have some knowledge about this idea. <laughs> if you look at what we would call candidate experience, I'm using bunny ear, air quotes here. Candidate experience for the Rangers is crawl in the mud with a 45-pound pack till you die, till you sweat, till you puke. We're going to shoot live ammo over your heads. That's right. Yes. Am I making that up? Yes. Am I completely off base? That's, that's right. Yes. Who calls that a positive candidate experience? Nobody. That sounds like a nightmare. And yet, those people love that job. They know what they're getting into. It's not about white glove service. It's not about super friendly. It's not about the cleanest, prettiest, nicest office. It's not the biggest foosball table. It's not any of that stuff. It's saying, look, in 10 minutes, I got to make you understand what this company is really like. Because that's all the attention I have from you. So that's an incredible analogy. Uh, And it's a very, very accurate one because, no, most people are not going to run to sign up for that. But people do and the Sign people up who for do, that. and there's a line. The, absolutely. People, that's, a, that's a badge of honor to say, I applied, and I didn't make it, but I applied. I tried my best. I couldn't quite do it. The people who do that are testing themselves. Does everybody want to test themselves? No. Would I want to test myself in that way? Oh, <laughs> you, you may laugh at well. Um, no, but there are other jobs that I'm like, it's not the candid experience. It's about what I'm getting out of it. As I talked about in the presentation, a job is there to help you find a way to make a better life. But it's up to you to decide what does a better life look like? Is it better work-life balance? Is it better benefits? Is it better salary? Is it the opportunity to be seen? Is it the opportunity to be famous? Is it the opportunity to test your skills? What is that thing? What does the company care about? So when I parachute parachute into a company, now it's all military metaphors now, sorry, (laughs) uh, and I'm not unearned. I'm going to point that out. Uh, If you parachute into a company, the job is to understand what does the company reward? Does the company reward shut up and sit down and do your job? Okay, somebody wants that, right? People love to work at the post office, right? There are people who that is their dream job because it drives stability. They don't have to wonder what their job is. They don't have to wonder how it changes. It's the same day in, day out. And somebody loves that. I do not. You do not. So, Julian, when we started this conversation, we actually started asking him about his podcast. And I'm not even sure if he answered that. So Probably not. Why don't we do this real quick? Tell them where they can find your podcast. Where can they find you on Twitter? And then we'll keep pushing through the conversation. Sure thing. So uh, the talent, the podcast is called The Talent Cast. Anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, all those good places. And I am the at The War for Talent on Twitter. Uh, I was stunned that that handle was open. And I was like, mine. Um, and I can't believe I had it for five years now. So that's the best way to find me. Otherwise, I'm on everywhere you expect to find me. LinkedIn. I'm a, I'm a loudmouth. So you can find me anywhere. Good stuff. All right, cool. So one thing that I work on a lot is 
talent messaging for people with disabilities and I've seen it done a couple of different ways sometimes it's very in sync with the rest of the employer brand and kind of their overall diversity and inclusion strategies sometimes it's a very kind of standalone brand so when we're just talking about our listeners are, are going to be DNI professionals or people that are really super engaged with that as one of their core values when you're dropping in regardless of kind of what the situation is how often, two-part question, how often are companies saying to you, DNI is a critical part of that, this employer brand? And, and then second, how do you recommend kind of building some of those strategies into your employer brand? So I, I know next to nothing about disability DNI level or military DNI level. I know a lot about women. That sounds a weird statement to make recorded. Please don't take that out of context. My favorite, favorite, favorite story, an employer brand story, is Sephora. We all know Sephora. The makeup is amazing. To me, it's the most amazing candidate, uh, employ, uh, customer experience ever. They invented the concept of amazing Before, makeup. two weeks ago, yes. uh, in their issue that they had? Yes. Oh, okay, got it. Go this ahead. is This is a broader brush. This okay, is long got time. it. But they have 70% of their developers. That's 7-0% of the developers are women. Is it because women like lipstick and they just show up wherever they make lipstick? No, of course not. That's stupid. But turns out this is a company of women run by women, filled with women, speaking to, surprisingly, women. Surprisingly, they use language that other women go, that sounds like the kind of place I want to be. Is, are you going to call that an employer brand? Yes and no. Anything You, you slap an EVP label on it, I, I, things get really fuzzy. But truly, this is a place where women do not feel like, oh yeah, I guess you can come too. Oh yeah, I guess you can join the boys club too, which for a developing house, that's pretty standard, right? It's just, oh yeah, we will deign to allow the women too, which is crazy. They say men is standard and women is the special. When you talk about maternity issues, that's for women. I'm like, dude, I'm a man and I want to make sure I have great maternity and paternity care. That's not a women's issue, that's a human issue. Yes. But the core of who they are is for and about women and consequently they attract more women. So to me, an employer brand that ignores the sense of who is an audience that you could be serving better. I didn't say underrepresented. I don't, I don't like the underrepresented part. I like the underserved part because I think it says it's on the company to say, here's an audience that we can tap into that hasn't been tapped into before. You want to... I don't know what you do, but you want to hire people who have visual disabilities and you've built their warehouse around that because you know those people have a problem finding a job and they're going to do an amazing job, stay forever, talk about, talk about you as if you're saving their lives because on some level you might be. That's an employer brand. Can a sighted person show up? Sure, I guess. But here's the problem with that. So you have all these great systems. You have a, a CMS that is web-based and is accessible to a screen reader. And then you put in a damn assessment oh, that yeah. is not accessible. Yeah. So you, at that point, you've put all this money into branding. You've put all this money into messaging. You have an actual accessible workplace that will save people's lives mm -hmm. and is a good business mm -hmm. value. And then you just drop the ball right in the middle of the in the application process yep. and you go sorry didn't really yep. mean all that chain is only as strong as its weakest link and that's exactly what that is and that requires and the thing is is that we've 
there's something about the standard way. I'm using air quotes, bunny ears again. The standard way we do things. There's an ATS. There might be an assessment. There might be a process. The interview, the screening. There is a standard way we do things. Where the hell did that come from? Did Moses swing by with two big tablets and say, this is how one applies for a job. This is how one selects. You, No one wrote these rules. So well, write the rules that apply that make sense for you. But if that's a little, like, the, really the, the government wrote those rules wow. in a way. How? Do we have to have a phone screen? Do you have to have an ATS? You have to have a standard process. And you do have to have a system of record, which is... Who defines that process? The the company does. A a system of record. So it can't be paper applications because that's not manageable. The system of record is different than the process. Because I believe, like James, I believe, you know, from a organizational standpoint, when you go into your clients, you know, the ones that you are supporting specifically because of the angle in which you go in, Julie... I believe that you are administering, exploring, implementing a process that may be different than an organization, mm-hmm. a company that has not truly embraced, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chasing down people with disabilities as a right. strength, as a value proposition. So I don't think the process has to be standard. And I appreciate you raising that for consideration. I think that the system of record or, you yeah. know, that accountability has to be there. I think the way to get to data, there has to be a a standard way to get to data. Let me state mm-hmm. a little bit more simply mm-hmm. because of all of the fortune 1000 basically are under affirmative action plans. Yes. They're federal yes. contractors. Yeah. And so you can't have some decentralized process and like, yeah. don't even get me started on AI and machine learning and all that yeah. stuff that yeah. the government hasn't caught yeah. up with yet. That's going to be a whole different debacle. Yep. I, and I agree. Like we were always talking about how to create more opportunity within the system, right? Mm-hmm. Can we, you know, basic things like diverse candidates, it's about, putting out different URLs for candidates, like all those things. And diverse candidate slates work, but what they are, it's a compromise message to say within a system that already exists, where are the changes we can make to make an impact? Are those all the changes you would want to make? Probably not. There's probably more stuff you would like like to do. But at the same time, and you go back to the Sephora story, at no point did I say black men. At no point did I say Latinx women. At no point did I say disability or military. I don't know how easy it is to serve all people equally and be so focused on one. It's kind of like saying we're a sushi restaurant, but we also sell sweaters. (laughs) Ah, Can you do both well? If you said you're a company that's focused on military and veterans, you're going to focus all of your attention, your thought process on how, what is standard, what is true, and what is common about that audience may not be common to me. But if you extrapolate that, isn't that how we hire women? Hey, men, here's the standard way. Women, you figured out. Black men, you figured out. Disability people, you figured out. Flip the script. Say this is a company around blind people or visually disabled or whatever it is or women or Latinx or whatever. LGBTQ doesn't matter. Everybody else is an also. That would completely change the process. That's like Sephora is not about, it's not makeup for everybody. I mean, it just is. But it's mostly about and for women. And because of that, it creates a reinforcing cycle that attracts more women. And thus, it solves that problem for them. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. So in the beginning of the pod, you uh, talked about there not being a book, so to speak, around (laughs) doing EB the right way. But you actually put up about a month ago, you put up a post uh, it looks like a collaboration with Recruiting Daily, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the Talent Brand Alliance. Okay. Who are they, if you will, or sure. the organization? So Talent Brand Alliance is effectively people like me who do employer brand, who are passionate about employer brand, but understand we are, we're carving our own path. There's no process involved. We're figuring it out. And for the most part, we've been doing it in isolation. 
I didn't know any other employer branding people. They didn't know other employer branding. We just kind of like, well, I think the job is this, so I'm just going to keep doing the job. Then you put 700 of those people in the same Facebook group and you say, what's your challenge? What are you doing? And you suddenly realize there are commonalities around what's going on. And so when, uh, when the board met a couple weeks ago, we all talked about, we talked around the problem of what does employer brand and what does employer branding do? And I said, what if we did a, a set of competencies? In the same way that if you said, if you're a linebacker, here are the basic competencies. You gotta be strong, you gotta be fast, and you gotta be able to not fall down. What is a basic competency? Can read, can read a defense, right? Every job has basic competencies, except most jobs, are, those competencies are completely well-defined. What's the job of a stockbroker? Everybody knows what a stockbroker does. What's the job of a nurse? Everybody knows what that is. Nobody knows what we do. And because we're in a position where we're straddling a lot of spaces, internal comms, marketing, recruiting, HR, and talent recruiting and HR are different, um, not to mention communicating with business leaders who might be in sales and development and machine learning, whatever, you have a lot of different things you can and should do. So we, as a group, and I pinged out to the Facebook group, and it's a, it's a closed group, but we encourage anybody who's in employer branding space to come find us. Just go to talentbrand.org and you can see how to apply. Um, we talked about what do you think the core competencies of the job are? And we got some hard skills and we got some very, very, very soft skills. So for example, understanding the recruiter landscape. What does an ATS do? Why does it do it? What does a CRM do? Why does it do it? At the same time, how do you manage stakeholders for whom you have no political power over whatsoever? How do you get the CEO to say, yes. this is super powerful, this is useful, this is how it's going to change that thing? And we ended up coming up with 16 of these core competencies. We wrote them down, and very much a first draft. This is not, again, back to Moses. No one came down with the stone tablets and said, it's this. This is our best guess as a group to say, this is what we think the job is. What's interesting about it is that with 16 core competencies, no human being can do them all really well. And I'm the first to raise my hand and say, there's some of those I'm really good at, but some of them, man, I do not ever want to do. Like what? Uh, you know what? I love video, but I can't do video. Okay. Video is a powerful means of telling a story. I don't think in those terms. Yeah. I don't think in a narrative term. Right. So I can create content, but I can't create narrative stuff. So there are pieces of them like, it's not my thing. Uh, media. Recruitment marketing and media buying, if I never saw another cost per click analysis, I'd be fine with that. It's part of the job. So it's a way of saying, look, if you're getting interested in the space, if you're doing some of the space, and most employer brand people are doing it as kind of a part-time job along as a recruiter, as a talent leader, here's kind of the path. If you already know four of these things, here's the other 12, am I doing the math right? Sounds right. The other 12 things that you should start to think about. Who to hook up with, who to connect with, what are the next things you wanna to learn to say, you're going to end up creating your own path, but here's a bit of a map. So if a company decided, hey, I want to have an employer brand and be a part of my organization, where, in your opinion, does it fit best in the infrastructure? Is it part of marketing? Is it part of TA? Is yeah. it its own thing? Yeah. It's, I, well, and that's part of a bigger question to me. I think recruiting should fall out of HR. That's my personal thing. I Amen. think recruiting should go straight up to either the business lead or the CEO C-suite because the people who water the roots of the tree run the tree. And if the tree is the business, the people who are driving talent to the tree run the business and treating them like, oh yeah, this tiny part of HR, which let's be fair, no one wants to talk to HR anyway, you know, you avoid that like the plague, you can't make an impact. So, but for an employer brand, I think it has to be seen as a special, magical, weird, and weirdo thing is the right word. It is 
has to be connected to recruiters. It has to, because recruiters are effectively the front line and the, 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 the foot troops of the employer brand. They're the ones who are tasked with communicating out to candidates, explaining what the job is like, explaining what the company's like. They're the ones talking to people who are ready to listen. But you need to get comms involved. You need to get marketing involved. You need to get leadership involved. You need to get business leaders. You need to get everybody involved. So it can live in recruiting. It can live in marketing. I'm not partial to any of them so long as whoever owns it understands this is a deeply, deeply cross-functional job. One thing that Torn and I talk a lot about are the big D&I fails that companies have. And so where do you, where does employer brand fit when you have a PR crisis? You know, what, what is the response? Is it just stay strong and stay, you know, where you are and let the marketing folks deal with that? Or is it like we have to get some messaging out? The funny thing is the answer is the same because you're watching, you know, there used to be something called uh, the Tylenol playbook. When you have a crisis, when they found what they found in in Tylenol in the 80s, Tylenol wrote the book on how do you respond to crisis management. You you uh, overcome the solution, you over-communicate, and the highest leader takes control of it. That's how you solve it. And that's how you watch, you know, when you got uh, uh, Volkswagen, who's failing at their problem right now, it's because it didn't have a high enough leader taking control of it, they didn't over-communicate, and they didn't over-compensate. That's the playbook. Now... There's a bit of a fourth step involved, and that is bring in the people. So you watch Papa John's. I don't think Papa John's any stranger is his topic to this top podcast. When he screws up, what's every commercial look like after that? Meet the person making your pizza. Meet the person owning your franchise. You may hate that guy for being a schmuck, but the person around the corner who's making your pizza, who's making a livelihood based on that pizza, don't hurt the, the pizza maker because you hate the owner. Right. Wells Fargo, meet every teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They may have made some fake accounts, whatever. You meet these wonderful, smiling people. The people, the human face of it, the employees, are the next step of all good crisis PR. Now, marketing gets it, and sometimes they do it almost inadvertently. They go, okay, what are we going to talk about? We got to talk about something. Let's put some smiling faces on. I know we control people because we control their salary. We insert them in. Sometimes recruiting goes, no one's going to apply for a job unless they understand what this, you know, they see the smiling face and they do it naturally. So in the end, the go-to is the same. The path to that go-to might be different. So how does that feel for employees when that happens, right? So we, t- we, we I struggle in my world, and I know Torn does too, a lot with tokenism, right? Mm-hmm, and so you've mm-hmm, got a crisis, mm-hmm. and now you're like, put Johnny, pizza maker. I love Papa John's, hate John. Um, but... How do you put him on and not make him feel like he's getting anything out of it or that he's not your random DNI token because yeah. you needed, you know, a person in a wheelchair to fill that quota for the day? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that that messaging get out? It's very difficult. And if I had the solution for tokenism, you know, I'd be in a whole different job. There, no one gets no one knows what the answer to that except to solve the problem. There's no halfway step to solving that problem. Right. You want to say instead of saying, well, we keep bringing up this Latinx woman. She's the same face of Latinx women for the whole company. Yeah, because there are no other Latinx women in the company. I'm sorry. Is that ding, math ding, ding. hard to deal with? You want more faces? Go get them. Commit to them. And I think what's interesting about it, because what's, what's fun about employer branding is that it's the inverse of transactional. It's systems driven. How do I make these minor adjustments in places you might not expect to create alignment overall? So if you look at a company and they spend a lot of money with an ad that says, we're all about DNI, and you go to Glassdoor and there's 5,000 posts about how great they are for DNI, and there's one that says, 
as a black man, I didn't get promoted and I was told I would never get promoted here. How useful was that big spend? How useful were the other 4,999 posts? The one fly in the soup kills the whole meal, no matter how good the meal was. So to me, the job is to look for those tiny places where the misalignment happens that spoils the whole meal and figure out a way, how do we solve for that? Employer brand is almost invisible that way. There's no big grant, with the exception of GE and what GE did with the Super Bowl, and there's a couple of a handful. They're great, fantastic, good for them. I think it's unusual. That's very much the outlier case. For most companies, employer brand is about minor tweaks to create alignment across the board. And one of those things is because you think at a system, the answer isn't to say, because isn't that always the fight? Well, we want, we need more Latinx women. Well, um, does that mean we have to have a quota? Does that mean we have to, the next person we are has to be Latinx? It's like, well, no. no. What if instead you wrote your darn job posting in Spanish? I don't know. Do you think that might attract more Latinx women? I don't know. Are you doing the things that make the outcome happen? Or are you doing the things that you always did and are doing playing hope as a strategy and hope Latinx women show up? Right. Yeah. So the uh, article was June 19th, 2019, 16 core competencies of successful employer brand uh, or of a an, of a successful employer brand professional. And three of the highlights that you mentioned in such, or you in the group, uh, reputation management, you mm-hmm. talked about internal and external advocation. You also talked about business acumen. So oh, yeah. I will make sure, Julie and I will make sure that the link is included when we put that uh, the show notes up. Fantastic. What are your closing comments for our listeners? Perhaps something that they either need to start doing immediately or should stop doing, just mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. abandon. Yeah. What would you say to them? I think everybody wants to boil the ocean. Everybody wants to have the grand solution. Everybody wants the magic. Everybody wants epicness. And the answer is success happens in teeny, teeny, teeny ways. If you want to attract better people who want to work there, it's not about doubling your ad spend. It's not about getting double the number of applicants. It's not about getting everybody to fall in love with you. Not everybody falls in love with the U.S. Rangers, but you have to say they're incredibly successful at attracting and selecting great candidates. Not everybody's in love with working at SpaceX where they're going to work 14 and 16 hours a day, but the people who are want to give their life to go to flipping Mars... Where else are they going to go? Pick one thing. Be about one thing. And it's very hard for companies to limit themselves to say, we're just about this one thing. They want to get everybody. They see all the missed opportunities of people that couldn't, wouldn't fit within that one thing. But picking one thing is the fastest way to make a clear impact and figure out what to do next. Awesome. So this has been amazing. I Seriously, I'm kind of fangirling right now. Um, I'm definitely going to be listening to your podcast and trying to catch you more often. Hopefully we'll have you back in like maybe a year or so and we're going to hear Perfect. all about the new cool stuff you're doing at your new gig and it's going to be kick ass. Um, thank you so much. And real quick, where can they find you again? Uh, at, on Twitter at the War for Talent, uh, the Talent Cast um, com, and honestly on LinkedIn, easy to find me. Good stuff. Awesome. So I guess uh, we ghost. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I want each and every one of you to just continue to remember that uh, we drop the pods every single Wednesday. Make sure that you are subscribing on Podbean, crazyintheking.com. Make sure you are finding and using that share button across all of social media. We are working hard to get you to edit your listening diet. We want you to change how you approach diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We want you to be uh, aspirational, intentional. We do not want you to get tired. Julie and I are working. We are carrying this boulder. We know we can't carry it by ourselves, but we want each of you to be involved and included with us. James, we absolutely appreciate you. Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to Crazy in the King podcast. I'm Julie Sowash, your co-host with Torn Ellis. Follow us on social media as Torn Ellis or Julie Sowash. And also follow our hashtag, Crazy and the King. This episode was produced by my gorgeous husband, Chad Sowash. And our music is by DJ Sells, straight out of Baltimore. You can find Crazy and the King wherever you find your podcasts. Please rate us. And if you like it, share it with a friend. We'll see you soon. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.